This is a unique miracle today. It's the only one that's found in all four of your Gospels. Did you know that? Feeding of the 5,000 is the only one that appears in all four of your Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Been working our way through Matthew, so we're going to be sticking with Matthew's version, Matthew's account today. It's in chapter 14. Matthew is going to be reading from verse 13 through, uh, through to 21. There's lots of different ways of looking at this story. In fact, I think, church, if we're honest, <laughs> I think sometimes we feel as though we know this story a little bit too well. Oh, the story of feeding the 5,000. Oh, yeah, Pete, I know that one. I've heard many ministers preach on this one, heard many a sermon on feeding the 5,000. I know that one, done, dusted, and we sort of tend to turn off. There are lots of different ways of looking at it. We can uh, think of Jesus having to retreat. That's the context. He's trying to actually get away from the crowds. He's, he's actually uh, trying to deal with the, the tragic news of the death of his cousin John the Baptist, and he's trying to take some time out and deal with and to process that. There's probably a lesson in, in there for us. In Jesus Christ's superstar, he tries, he's trying to get away again from the maddening crowds. He's trying to fight back that impulse to sort of lash out at the people that all want a piece of him. And I think we all can sort of relate to that as well. Many churches today will, of course, simply be looking at the miracle itself and what it reveals about who Jesus is as God incarnate, God in skin, Emmanuel with us. But today I want to very quickly just focus in on the abundant aspect of this miracle, about just, how, about just how over the top it was. We are ourselves in a moment going, to, going to, to break some bread and we're going to share in the abundance of, of, of God. This, if you haven't picked it up, by the way, you might actually just take, keep an eye out for where Jesus himself actually takes bread, gives thanks to God and breaks it and passes it out. It does really speak to the Eucharist or communion. But today... It's all about uh, really how to unlock the abundance that God has in store for each. Let's have a look at, uh, at Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through to 21. When Jesus heard that what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> well, we, have, we have only five loaves of bread and, and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who had eaten was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Church, let's pray. Yes, loving Lord, reveal yourself to us in this moment. Teach us what you want to say to us through this text. We pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people said, Amen. 
Abundance has been a bit of a theme if you've been following us here at Church in the Marketplace the last few weeks. The parables sort of point to this. You've got sort of eyes to see. You can sort of see that Matthew's been leading us down this path. I mean, thinking the last few weeks about, for example, uh, a harvest of, of 160, 30 times that which was sown, seed that was scattered on good soil and produces an abundant harvest in the sorts of numbers that could, couldn't possibly have been hoped for by a regular farmer back in the day. We've heard about uh, treasure, buried treasure, just unearthed in, a, in, in the midst of a paddock of a, of a pearl of great price coming, coming to light. You might also see, if you've got it open there, we've also got the, the parable of the, the mustard seed, the tiniest of seed that grows up into a tree that birds can, can nest in its, in its branches. This Jesus is, is, is a God of, of abundance who goes over the top, not meager, not stingy. He wants to bless us abundantly. He does, he does more than enough. I think if you were to distill the gospel down, if you asked me to really talk about what this gospel, which really just means good news. You would send out a gospel or a herald with a gospel uh, to let you know that a new king is, has taken the throne. It, in Jesus' case, it's not a king with mighty armies. It's a God that wants to bless you abundantly by, by loving you and serving you. I think if you were to talk about the essence of this gospel, I think abundance and extravagance would, would be at the key, wouldn't it? Uh, my favorite Bible verse is John 10, 10. God, Jesus said that he came that, you might, that we might have life and have it in all of its abundance, or life in the full, life overflowing. And if you can grasp this concept, that God's grace is truly amazing. He doesn't offer us just everyday, run-of-the-mill common grace, but amazing grace. He goes over the top, giving us more than enough, more than we deserve. We don't, couldn't possibly ever hope to repay what he gifts us with, with his gift of eternal life. This generous and this abundance would be key at the, at the heart of the gospel, I think. And if you understand that, I think you're well on your way to, to claiming this abundant life eternal, in this life and the next, uh, for, for yourself. But today I just want to quickly give you a brief example, perhaps, from our, from our own life here at Church in the Marketplace. But one way that I think we can, we can tap into this abundance and, and have it for ourselves. You're all familiar with the story, a young boy comes along, and uh, Matthew doesn't mention the boy, but we know from the other accounts that there's a young boy who bought some, bought some lunch along, five small barley loaves, pretty cheap food, five small fish, and Jesus uses them and, and feeds 5,000 men, women and children beside. I think in our context, where we like to offer people morning tea here every, every, uh, every morning, every Sunday morning after worship. We like to offer people not just spiritual sustenance here at church in, in the marketplace. We like to offer people some, some physical sustenance as well, an opportunity to gather together over a cup of tea or coffee and perhaps a, a bicky and, and sharing some more fellowship. I actually think it's a really important part of our gathering. I actually think gathering together for morning tea for a, for a cup is actually part of the church experience. I think if we race out the door as soon as worship is finished, we miss out on what it means to truly be church and to do community together. But I'm wondering, you know, morning tea, are you aware it doesn't, doesn't just happen? Little pixies, little fairies, the CB fairies don't come on a Saturday night and, and prepare the morning tea for you. It takes a bit of organisation. It, it, it takes some people to, to think about it. It actually takes some people to volunteer and say, yes, I'm, I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to give what I have. I'm going to... I'm going to be prepared to, 
to make a, a cup of tea. I'm going to uh, fire up the coffee machine, perhaps, or I, I'm going to do what it takes to make sure that my brothers and sisters in Christ are, are blessed here after worship with some morning tea. Of course, serving at the morning tea roster may not be your calling. Not everyone is, is comfortable doing that, but you can understand that if, if, if enough of us don't actually put up our hand and, and help serve on the morning tea roster, then it actually just makes it harder for those that, for those that do. And if we were to say, you know, pull out of loving and serving in this way, it actually just increases the burden on those that are, that are left to help out. It actually just adds to their burden and makes them feel a little bit more protective of what they have to offer and their time, which only, of course, encourages them to come away from the roster and step down, which again only just adds more pressure on the few that are left. And you don't have to be a genius to work out that this kind of thinking this kind of mentality where I'm going to hold what I have for myself, I'm going to keep what I've got to myself, it's, it very quickly becomes pretty self-defeating. And, and pretty soon there won't be any uh, morning tea. We'll be scarpering out the door to grab a, a fresh brew for ourselves. And we won't have that sort of opportunity to, to serve and, and, and to, to gather together for, for communion. I'm wondering if we can sort of use that example and, and extrapolate it out and see, well, actually, if, if many more people are willing to help in this, little, this one little aspect of churches that we're not all called to, but if many more of us were willing to say, yes, I'll, I'll help out with the morning tea on a Sunday, it would actually relieve the burden of those that are already doing it. And if more people and more people came to serve, and then perhaps those that are on the roster, who knows, might even be willing to bring a slice every once in a while on a Sunday morning. Maybe even bring a cake, who knows, maybe even some scones, some pumpkin scones would be nice, wouldn't they, just putting it in order. You can understand the concept that if we're all willing to chip in, if we all stop hoarding our energy and our time and our resources to ourselves, if we're willing to offer what little we, we have, even though we might feel as though we're running on empty, if we offer what we have, in God's hands, a little can be a lot. And we'll actually have an abundance for morning tea. And you know what? An abundance in the midst of our church. Because it doesn't just go for morning tea. I think you can understand. It's not just morning tea. It's even just in the midst of our conversations here on a Sunday. Are you willing to give of yourself to someone that you may not know terribly well? Or do you just simply stick to yourself and to your own little group of friends that you know and, and you're comfortable with? see Aussies all the time, running around with a force field around them, a force field where they wanted to just stick to themselves, just sort of look after with what they've got. They don't, they don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to tread on anyone's toes. They, they don't, don't want to, you know, they, 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 I'm a good person. I, I pay my taxes, but I'm, not, I'm just going to stick to myself and not bless anyone. I see these people all the time and occasionally... I think I've told you before, occasionally I have to help bury some of these Aussie, mostly men, I'll say, who, old Clary was a good bloke, he paid his taxes, he kept to himself, he never hurt anyone, as though that's something to be proud of in life. Sometimes I have to sort of catch myself from jumping up at a funeral and saying, old Clary, he was a selfish old bugger. He never did anything for anyone. Yes, he had some kids, and I'm sure he loved them, but he never really went out of his way 
to help anyone, to help anyone with anything, to, to really, really sacrificially give of himself. Oz is everywhere. A lot of loneliness out there, I think. As I sit out on the moor, I see a lot of loneliness, a lot of people with their little helmet on, their little blinkers on, their little force field of protection around themselves, not wanting to give of themselves lest they be hurt. And I know that you can be hurt. And to risk loving is, of course, to to risk loss. But that is who we are called to be as a church, is it not? To risk loving and and to risk loss. But if we are willing to open ourselves up, if we are willing to be generous in the words that we use with each other, if we're willing to be generous just with our conversations, with our time, then I reckon we can become an abundant church. Not just over morning tea with pumpkin scones, but the very sense of who we are will be a place where people are drawn to, will be an attractive place, and a place of abundance, a place that is life-giving, a place that people will want to be a part of, a people that people will want to be a part of. A little can be a lot in in God's hands. Please don't allow yourself to be a, a microclimate of harshness. Church, let's not be like that. Let's give what little we have, even if you feel the world's closing in, even if you feel as though you haven't got much to offer, even if you feel as though you're at the end of your rope, at the end of, the end of our resources. Let's be willing to open ourselves up because I think the key to abundance is in fact generosity. If we're all generous with what little we have, then we can actually be a people of abundance. Amen? Can I encourage you to think about Jesus himself as we approach the communion table? Let's think of Jesus himself that gave everything that he had for us. He was willing to be broken for us. God came down in the form of a man. He gave his, his son for us. He gave his very best for you in order that you might defeat death and share in his, in his resurrection. Jesus himself was willing to be broken, to give himself for you and, and for me in order that we might truly live. So can I leave you with a question? Can I leave you with a, with a challenge? What is it that you have to offer? What is it that you have at your disposal? Like that little kid that came with his lunch pail, and I'm sure, we're not told, but I, I reckon he might have been a little bit reluctant to give it up. What do you think? If I was that kid, I reckon I might have been a little bit protective of that. I'm sure if we're honest with ourselves, I know I am. I tend to be a little bit protective of, of what I have, but Jesus says that is a sure path to a life, not of, a, of abundance, but it's a, it's a path to lifelessness. What have you got to, to offer? What have you got to bring? What even just words have you got of encouragement for those around you this week? What resources God has given you to, to pay for and thereby to create a, an abundance within our church and around the world. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it does sometimes feel as though our resources are scarce. It does sometimes feel as though we are at the very end of the end of our petrol. Our petrol tank seems empty. We feel as though we have nothing left to give, nothing left to offer. So, Father, show us what we have. Show us what you've put in our hands. Show us how we can be generous. Show us how we can create a culture of abundance here within our church. 
Show us how we can be Christ-like in giving of ourselves, offering ourselves in service to those around us. Help us to see, Father, what you are calling us to do, how we are being called to serve. Help us to be a generous people of abundance, we pray. In Jesus' name, the people said...